Thank you for joining today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. And thank you for having a desire to be your best at work and helping your organization achieve success. This podcast focuses on tactical actions to improve workplace culture, and these tactics align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Joining us on our show again today is Dr. Pat Greco, an award-winning retired superintendent, a champion of continuous improvement, and somebody I've had the pleasure of working with for many years. After 38 years of serving in public education, she joined our team as the Senior Director for Thought Leadership and so glad to have her as part of our team. You can go back and listen to episode 46, Creating Cultures of Continuous Improvement, to hear more from Pat's experiences with executing the process of improvement within organizations. We've all been in a time of disruption and transition. During improvement work, today is more important than ever. It's just everything we do is about improvement. That's why I'm circling back to Pat as a guest on our show today. She works with leaders throughout this country and has firsthand knowledge on how to reflect on the current state to move to what will become a future state in our profession. So thank you for joining me today, Pat. I just appreciate you being here to help us focus on improvement conversations. Thank you for being here. It's an honor. Thanks, Janet, for inviting me. I, I love the work that we do and um, really appreciate the work that we're doing coast to coast with partners. That's great. You know, and, and um, I just enjoy the conversations I have with you. And as we were thinking about building an episode on improvement, I know our listeners can learn from you because I, I learn from you quite often through our conversations. I just wanted to give our listeners that opportunity. And um, I know you've got a book chapter that's going to be in a book and we're going to interview Tony Breich in the next several episodes. So just really going to focus on on kind of what this first question is about. Why is improvement work so important to you, Pat? Improvement is really about the process of learning. And as a leadership team, as an organization, how do we actually learn together well so we're making the really best decisions? As a teacher, as a principal, as assistant uh, superintendent, superintendent, we can't live long enough individually to figure out how to do that very best work alone. And improvement is really about learning what works, really investing in what matters, and then lifting everyone up so they can be more successful. We've all chased isolated things to do that we thought were really important at the time. I remember feeling exhausted as a leader, trying to figure out which was the best direction to go. And I really carried that weight individually early in my career, thinking I had to bring all the answers to the table. Um, we bought programs, resources. You know, I, re I read everything possible from best practice literature. So we chased improvement. And then performance didn't change. You know, we, we chased the next thing and, and people got more exhausted. Rarely did we stop long enough to really determine what measures matter most, what are the barriers that are happening on the ground, really simple things that if we solved for would have dramatic improvement and did, rather than these great, big, heavy initiatives that we never gave chance to really take hold and never really looked at what was happening within the system. We used to bundle staff development under topics rather than really helping people within the organization learn how to be improvers. And what I've learned most over the course of my career is building an army of improvers. We can solve any challenge within an organization 
with that army working together in that line of sight, really looking at what matters most. And quite frankly, Janet, you're coaching, you know, helping you helping me hardwire evidence-based leadership at scale was the most important job I had as a superintendent. And that's what flipped results in the organization. Yeah. And, you know, just so, um, <laughs> yes, this morning, you know, I was, as, you know, every day we kind of have what's in front of our inbox a little bit, um, Pat. And like this morning, you know, I was just working through like even things like a decision on, oh, maybe that tool is too expensive. Let's go to another tool, something that kind of came at me. And, you know, I find myself going, wait a minute, it's not just about making a decision on a technology tool. You know, it's like, what are we trying to accomplish, right? What are we, right. I mean, what are we, you know, it's, it's like, Sometimes forgetting that conversation is is very detrimental to to our organizations. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Often I talk with with leaders of large and small organizations about how we invest and how we invest wisely. Investment is never about the dollar amount. It's about its ability to, to create the intended change and hold that change in place over time. I've wasted more money chasing than I have ever in the investment process around improvement. Once we stopped just chasing and buying stuff in the hopes that it would make an impact, we really were able to invest in the brain power of the people and really get focused on what we're doing, why, and what effect is it having? And is this the right set of tools, resources, and actions based on that intended outcome? Best investments I've ever made has been in the brain power of the people. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's great. So as we, as we dig a little bit deeper, what are the most important features of, of this improvement work? It, it really allows you to learn from your actions. You know, there, there are teams that know that next action and they take it and they can learn from that. There are teams that think they know, and it, it's really about being clear on the measures first. You can't improve what you can't measure. And, and you know, when we, when we think we're heading in a direction, really pausing long enough to figure out what measures matter most, what would that outcome look like on a daily basis? those daily measures that link to those larger goals at a classroom level, in a department level, you know, at a classroom level, the daily assignments, common assessments, daily attendance, strategies that are working for kids. We get bogged down by state accountability. Accountability measures are not improvement measures. If we hardwire what really matters most, our accountability measures take care of themselves cleaning scorecards at the custodial level and school nutrition, you know, reducing time it takes to provide a service or offer a contract. These are outrageously successful indicators and help really people understand how their daily work affects that, that larger organization. When you hire your, you hardwire your new staff onboarding process and your internal succession planning. So what you've learned over the course of a decade actually sticks and you sustain your momentum over time. None of that can be taken for granted. Everyone deserves our very best leadership and improvement allows leaders to lead and our people to thrive. And it, it's what engages people into that larger than themselves role. So I'm not just coming to work at eight o'clock in the morning. I know the value I'm creating today in every process, in every interaction with my colleagues, 
that lead to that department goal and that organizational goal. I know that my my attitude coming to work matters and it's valued. So that's really um, when we think about getting deep in that work, it's aligning all the way down to the ground up to the system and having improvement be that backbone of the way we do our work. Yeah, as I was listening to you, just kind of following exactly, you know, what we talk about and and the tools and tactics that we have with that execution. And, you know, and, and, you know, Pat, I know you and I've talked about this at the, at the bottom line, people say, what do you do? You know, well, we help, we help organizations and leaders work to get results because at the end of the day, you know, that's, what's most important, like is to help them get the results of the measures that matter, you know, so that they're doing the work that, that they intended to do. Absolutely. And it's more important now than ever, Janet. You and I have talked about, you know, high, you know, budgets are tight, people are stressed, you know, they're trying to figure out how do they how do they action now under this, you know, this crazy condition that we're in and keep the organization moving forward. Quite frankly, this is the real work. It is. It sure is, you know, and, and um, it gives us an opportunity to really take this, take this situation that's at hand, you know, and help people build even better work as they move forward. So with that, you know, you've moved from, you know, when we initially met and worked with you as a superintendent to now, you know, you're coaching others to lead this improvement work, you know, so what have you learned by doing that, Pat? What I've learned is there are passionate people in every organization and every type of organization, whether it's county government, regional education agencies, school districts, hospitals, they're passionate people. And we struggle um, with them seeing that line of sight and really understanding what matters most. I've always known leadership was a differentiator. You know, so when you when you have a strong principal, that school can move forward. When you have a strong division leader, that division can move forward and feel connected. When you have a strong senior leadership team, that entire organization can thrive. So what I've learned in that larger context is strong leadership at every level matters. And when we have that match between that strong leadership at the senior executive level, that entire organization can thrive. We've talked about setting that big aim, Janet, for our organization of helping leaders move their systems to the top performing organizations in the country. Quite frankly, I know it's happening. You know, so when you think of what that matches between that strong team leadership and building that capacity to hardwire the mindset of improvement and the execution of the evidence-based leadership framework, it works. It does. And, you know, what, what we find, too, is as we continue to work with more organizations, you know, we're the, the individuals that choose to work with us and, you know, kind of we choose to work with them have leaders who really aspire to move their organizations to be some of the top. And it's really exciting work to build those connections with some superior leaders and to help them understand how to continue to advance. And so just appreciate the work that you're doing with our colleagues out in the field. So let's end today with, you know, just we've talked, we're talking very specifically about your experiences and working kind of in K-12 and in education in general. How does this improvement work transfer across industries? And, you know, how do we learn from each other? Because you talk a lot about that, Pat. Yeah, and early on, you know, when you think about where improvement originated. It, it, it originated in the process of quality improvement in industry. You know, Deming knew that people closest to the work could actually make the very best decisions 
on the fly and understand where the barriers were within the organization. He built the process of quality improvement around driving fear out of the organization so everyone could voice their opinion, everyone could learn together on what's working and not working, and you can learn from your work and engage everyone in that improving system. Before Deming died, Goals 2000 in Education were released, and Deming talked about education as a field as having miracle goals with no processes or strategies <laughs> to execute them. And education as a system was built on placing blame on people when 85% of the barriers live within the organizations, but education didn't have the background and improvement to solve for those barriers. So when you think about how it transitioned, you know, he was pointing at our field. Healthcare picked it up earlier than education has. Healthcare learned from industry yeah. and applied the principles of improvement to a human organization. And, and hospitals and school districts are wickedly human. You know, they started the journey earlier. You know, they, they institute for healthcare worldwide focused on how do we do build that crosswalk of the improvement process, the PDSA cycles? How do we build that strong culture around service to people? How do we focus our cycles of improvement around safety, efficiency, quality care, better outcomes? Yeah, so they learned from that. When I was early in the work in my career, I was trying to figure out how do you build that crosswalk between Deming's work and what healthcare has improved, and how do we hardwire that within an educational system? And the epiphany was really when I, I was introduced to the evidence-based leadership framework, because as you often say, we take the complex and make it simple, and that backbone really ordered the system and it helped me lead through those cycles of improvement organizationally and in the smallest cycles of the improvement. Again, what I've learned is similar to what other organizations and people have learned is the people closest to the work have the best ability to really see what's working and not working. We've got to cut through the jargon. We, we label initiatives with these great big titles that no 30 people would come up with the same definition. Yeah, so right. we've got to cut through, we've got to cut through the language. We've got to be crystal clear at what we're really trying to tackle. The measures have to be aligned in really small increments so that we have those fast tests of change. We have to make sure that our people are skilled, not just on a topic, but really understanding how to move their work together in those cycles of improvement. And often, it's little things that once changed have an outrageous impact on team performance. It's, it's not That's great, right. big, heavy things. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we can plan for strong instructional delivery, strong resource alignment, and it's only through those cycles of improvement that we really grow the progress for students, the capacity of our people, and really safeguard resources, people energy, build hope and pride, and, and um, have that intentional process to improve the organization. So, you know, now more than ever, we're expected to improve outcomes. We're going to see reduced funding. We've got stressed systems. The process in place has to make rapid decisions about that work. And, and building that capacity now more than ever, it's the story of School District of Menominee Falls, of South Louisiana Community College, of Waukesha County Government, Michigan State University, Estacated School District in Oregon, and the list goes on, right? Yeah. So 
when we're saying we have the ability to produce these results at scale, Deming would be really proud, but the people living in the system are the ones that actually feel that impact and build that energy and can make really complex, hard decisions in the best way that they can. And they're still complex, hard decisions, but they have the toolkit and the process and the mindset to really have that work be real. Yeah, I think that's, and, uh, you know, just to kind of add one, one, uh, one summary statement to that is when people ask us, how do we motivate our people? How can people become engaged? What you're talking about is the way that, that our people become engaged, you know, which is kind of what, what we, we, people think about that we focus on and we do focus on engagement, but we focus on engagement through this improvement work because the work matters to people. So I know, Pat, um, you have a book coming out and I'm going to circle back around um, and do another interview very specifically about that book chapter. Um, so I think what we'll do, um, you know, Casey, who kind of works with me on the podcast, will post the, post the title of the book. And um, Pat, I think we can tell them how they can get a copy when it comes out in, in J- July. So, um, you know, really look forward to continuing to connect with you so we can jump into that the specifics on that book chapter. But for today, thank you so much. I think the, the topic is extremely relevant. As you said, the improvement work is, is more important than ever. Um, and your demonstration of getting results through that improvement work um, or some of you, you've provided the leadership in a way that's the best in the country. So uh, just very honored to have you on our show today. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Janet. Um, So as we look toward uh, the new school year with more questions and answers that we just talked about, um, we'll continue to monitor the likelihood and hosting in-person events. So that's part of what we're trying to do is figure out how we take some of our our great conferences where we showcase our partners and and, uh, decide Um, how we're going to continue to do that in the world that we're living in now. But for now, I I just want to thank you all for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and make sure you're subscribed. If you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next time as we continue to focus on the nine principles for organizational excellence so that we can be our best at work. Have a great weekend.